Welcome to another episode of the Dave Stockbridge Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast once again, where every episode I aim to bring you helpful hints and tips that I hope helps you make and save tens of thousands of dollars. And you'd notice on recent podcasts, we've had some influential people feature and uh, today is no different. So I am with Grant McDougall. Grant um, has made headlines recently uh, with respect to his passion around the railways, his potential for South Australia economically and culturally. And, um, and after recently featuring on Today Tonight, um, where, um, uh, Grant, you were there and advocating for the re-establishment of regional railway lines throughout South Australia. And of course, the implications for that in real estate are huge, but I think also just more generally uh, that, that you couldn't think of, well, a greater asset that could be maintained that could lead to uh, uh, an increase in economic activity um, than the railways. Yes, 100%, Dave, yeah. And, and Grant, so talk us through a little bit about your history with the railways, why you're so passionate about it and how you've come about the, um, well, this information and this way of thinking. Well, growing up in Goula, South Australia, uh, I um, had the, the brilliant opportunity to actually grow up um, at the front, uh, our front door actually used to uh, be, um, you could actually see the, uh, the freight trains and the passenger service trains and, and the occasional steam train and the daily service of the uh, Australian National uh, Operated Passenger Service, the Bluebird, which used to uh, scoot along up to Peterborough, right, okay. up the mid-north of South Australia. Well, growing up, obviously, as uh, or a young kid, you, you um, take uh, a bit of a passion in different things of your life, and I actually um, had the, uh, the passion of trains. Yeah. So... Having having the trains uh, going out the front all the time, you could actually tell the time uh, of the day because of the uh, the trains which used to go through. Um, oh, so you'd hear a train come and go. Oh, it must be ten past four. That well, yeah, whatever. because there was the uh, different times of the day. The uh, Trans Adelaide or not Trans Adelaide Australian um, uh, the STA State Transport Authority mm-hmm. would uh, sometimes only run one car, or they'd run two cars or three cars. Well, you know. Once the trains, uh, the consist of the trains got up to about four cars, well, it must be half past three or three o'clock Pick because it it's uh, school time. Yep. Yes. Uh, so you you got to know the uh, the midday train was uh, two carriages. The one before that only used to be one carriage, um, and and different things like that. So growing up, uh, you I've become very intrigued with railways. Yeah. And obviously. The, a kid's dream always is uh, you either want to become a fireman, a policeman, or um, an architect or a builder or whatever. Yep. Uh, mine was the normal, uh, the normal drive of um, I want to one day own my own rail road company or train, Fantastic. Uh, or even um, not better, but, but uh, become a rail a, a train driver. But none of that has actually happened until I've got the opportunity now to. Um, own a few um, red hens and uh, possibly a bud car uh, and then gain my um, railroad operations accreditation. Fantastic. So this uh, childhood fascination is now spawned into something all the more serious in adulthood and uh, and in looking at acquiring your own uh, trains and, and becoming your own operator, 
I guess you start looking more astutely at the um, at the financial gains that can be, uh, uh, I guess, accrued as a result of that, and the, the the potential for our state in tourism, trade, commerce, um, and uh, just adding to the livability of people um, that may be just north of the Gawler Line at the moment, um, who um, for many many years enjoyed the convenience of a rail service, but over the last generation or so, um, unfortunately, um, haven't enjoyed it. That's right. Look, there is so much opportunity, Dave. Uh, not well, not just opportunity, but tourism opportunity, employment opportunity, uh, economical opportunity uh, to once again have regional rail in South Australia. You've got um, you've got the old rail lines, which obviously left from Adelaide. Um, they all um, went through Gawler at one stage. Uh, so to get to um, Peterborough, you'd always have to go through Gawler. Uh, if you ever wanted to go to Wallaroo, you also uh, could go. You also went through Gawler and branched off at Balaclava and then Bowman's and then across to uh, Wallaroo and possibly even even Moonta, Kadena, right. uh, where now the sadly the um, the coastal rail corridors all have all been removed or cut and removed. Because of the standard gauge line, which goes through Salisbury up to Port Augusta uh, and um, further up north. So recently, you featured on Today Tonight. So give us a bit of background to that story and what led you to be on Today Tonight, and, and really what the story was there. Well, the story behind the Today Tonight show was frustration uh, and um, also the the neglect of a private company coming into Australia um, in the uh, early days. It was um, known as uh, the Australi uh, Australian Southern Railroad Limited, uh, but in later years uh, it um, had a name change to Genesee, Wyoming, Australia. Now, Genesee, Wyoming is a, an American uh, company, railroad company, that... Um, with the forced closure of Australian National in 1997, because uh, the federal government no longer wanted the um, uh, the national uh, rail operations, so they uh, set up an expression of interest uh, where Genesee Wyoming, um, now known as Genesee Wyoming, uh, was the successful expression of interest interest um, company, uh, and they. Uh, operated uh, for a number of years from 1997 till approximately 2007 on the what we knew as growing up as kids was the uh, the Roseworthy line or the Peterborough line. Yep. And they also uh, took the lease management uh, over from Gawler to uh, Lindock or Angerston. Uh, they th what they actually did also do is they took over all of the regional rail corridors of broad gauge and also standard gauge from, I believe, Murray Bridge to Loxton. So were, were they lines in use at that stage? They were all lines in use, Dave, as far as I know. So um, we, we've got, uh, for those that are, are watching, I'm just going to put this in front of the camera just so you can see the, the lines. So, um, and... Um, and as you can see, it is quite an extensive network. 
it, it actually spanned many hundreds of kilometres. If you put them all together, uh, I would probably say it would uh, span from Adelaide, South Australia to Darwin probably uh, 10 times. So it's quite a substantial um, um, so length of rail corridors that used to be what once was South Australia's most vital rail links, not just to South Australia, but Australia. And so wha- what was the heyday of use for these lines, just because in perspective for our... It was all freight. Okay. Uh, freight and um, the uh, Australian National uh, Operated um, Passenger Service, uh, regional rail, which was the Bluebird. Right. And where, where would the Bluebird go? Uh, back the Bluebird used to, uh, as far as I can remember, uh, it always used to go from Adelaide to Gawler. Yeah. And then um, at the mail, sp- uh, the mail stop there and also passenger stop. Mm-hmm. Um, Gawler was the last major uh, town before it hit uh, regional and rural South Australia. Yeah. And it would uh, make its way from Gawler up to Peterborough. Yeah. Um, I have been told it also used to go to Gladstone mm-hmm. uh, and possibly over to Wallaroo, but all the other uh, all the other lines used to uh, be mainly freight, as far as I know. So but so I may be wrong. You had a passenger service that uh, so, and this would be what a, a couple times a week or once a week that it take people back and forth to the the Bluebird. Yeah, the Bluebird actually used to operate on a daily basis. Oh, really? Used to be, yes. The uh, Bluebird used to go from Adelaide to Peterborough, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, once in the morning, and yeah. then it would return uh, in the in the afternoon. Oh, so this was a really active service. And, and this was a really active service. And, and until and when did it kind of die off? Or the la- Sadly, the last uh, Bluebird uh, to depart uh, Peterborough uh, was in 1982, okay. um, and that's when the um, basically the uh, 64 bluebirds ever produced actually either got scrapped or sold off to other railroad operators to become crew cars. Yeah. Um, and a, a f- I think there was about 16 of them which were purchased by a South Australian company called Bluebird Engineering, yeah. which they um, took a number of them over to New South Wales where they were um, transformed into other um, other uses and with that three were actually uh, turned into the Barossa wine train right. which they come back from New South Wales all labelled up uh, the Barossa, Barossa wine train which used to run um, wine train tours from Adelaide to the Barossa Valley and it actually was a big hit yeah and, and uh, so uh, great that they were able to hold on to those carriages. And from our earlier discussions, you were suggesting they're still here. They're still here, but sadly, they, uh, the current owner, uh, Mr. John Geber, um, has basically uh, belted his head against the wall for, for years because the state government um, and Dennis Iwayomi don't really want anything to do with regional rail. It seems very clear that Genesee Wyomi um, only took up the lease to basically um, end the uh, regional rail corridor's uh, life. 
basically. Um, and the state governments of South Australia, both uh, Labor and Liberal, uh, are also to blame. Uh, because once you start reading the actual lease agreement between the state government and Genesee Laomi, uh, there's something like 80... Uh, Which we've got a copy we've of. We've got a copy of here. Uh, there's from um, the start of the breaches at um, 6.2 right up to uh, 13.3. Now, it doesn't seem much, but uh, once you um, have a look at the lease agreement, it's actually nearly the full length of the lease agreement, which is in full of breaches. With that, and and so at essence, that was uh, the the reason for your appearance on today tonight to really bring attention to this particular issue that there's these rail lines that uh, could be reactivated and could be repurposed, whether it be for tourism, uh, passenger services, but they're being neglected to the extent that they may not be resuscitated if it's left that much longer. Yes, that's correct. They're they're that badly um, mismanaged. Uh, they've, as um, the reporter uh, from Today Tonight said, there's actually trees now growing in, uh, in amongst the, the sleepers and also the rail uh, line itself, which is uh, now damaging the infrastructure. And the point behind the um, Today Tonight article was to make people aware that there is a rail corridor there, there is a lease binding lease agreement and the neglect of Genesee, Wyoming and both sides of state government and with the support of locals and also businesses I believe and many others believe that these rail corridors of regional South Australia can once again be the hub of transport across a great network that it, that it was in the past. So can the current leaseholder restrict use of the lines? I, if they were in good working order, is there, is, do they have the capacity to stop a private operator um, who's otherwise working in accordance with the laws and the compliance of the regulations from operating on those lines? With that, I, uh, I believe they can. Uh, they, okay. can they can deny anyone access to that rail corridor. Um, a couple of years ago now, I contacted Genesee, uh, Wyoming, uh, as I wanted to get my hands on two section cars uh, to um, mount some cameras on them and actually film from the um, Gawler River um, Bridge in Gawler, South Australia, as as far as I could go uh, on the uh, the Peterborough line. But sadly, they basically come back with no due to insurance and maintenance hmm. um, we would not allow you to have any operations on that line so i'd already i should have twigged even back then with the word maintenance um, hmm. because it was very clear that the maintenance they actually know that they haven't kept up with the maintenance on them themselves so uh, when you do contact them, they, they let things out, they let things slip. Um, but if you're not aware of different other, um, the, the breaches and stuff, you don't take much notice of it. And it wasn't until I read the, the lease agreement only last year after obtaining it from Freedom of Information, which took me nearly eight months and also the threat of uh, subpoenaing it 
um, in court uh, before I actually received the full lease agreement from 1997 to the only other um, memorandum of lease in 2007. Now, 2000 and the 2007 memorandum lease is the last and final um, lease agreement ever signed and executed. So once you read some of the clauses in there, Dave, you very quickly uh, work out that the lease is actually terminated right. between the state government and Genesee, Wyoming. And and your and your claim there is through not specific non-performance of maintenance of the, the tracks. Yes, that's uh, right. Under, under that under those clauses there, yes. they require uh, the contract uh, to re they require the operator to ensure that those tracks are ready to open. Is it with something within like fourteen days of either party terminating the lease? So, so tell me about the condition of some of these uh, these tracks again. So within fourteen days, th they would have to. Pull out trees. They would have to pull out trees. Uh, Re-sleeper the um, rail corridor. Mm -hmm. uh, they would also have to uh, replace rail line itself. Mm -hmm. um, fix up infrastructure, which um, have trees growing growing out of them, and also mainly the vegetation control. And and I would imagine that that restoration in two weeks clause would be in the event of national emergency where, or war or something of that event where that infrastructure was required to be opened up uh, in, in, in service of the, uh, of the nation. Is that it would play part, yep. but the, uh, the, the, the main one is uh, in, the, in the lease agreement if the state government wished to reopen that line for any, any future use. Right, okay. That's the way they word it. But yeah. you could also whack in what you just said as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would imagine that th there would be a national interest in ensuring that our railroads were um, in uh, such order that they could be easily accessed in, in, very, in very short notice. Notice, 14 days it is. And it, that states it very clearly in the both leases, the, uh, the, the 1997 lease and also the memorandum in 2007. It states it very clear that the leasee must maintain the rail corridor at an operating standard. And you and your people have been out there and, and taking an audit of this line and, uh, and obviously uh, you find it substandard in, in most respects uh, when you start getting into regional areas. Uh, well, can I put it to you in this way? Are there any areas of the line that could be easily uh, reopened that uh, would be of benefit to us economically right now? There, there is. Mm -hmm. uh, there is uh, definitely from Gawler to Lindock, uh, and that's only because once we started stirring the pot, Dave, and getting onto media yeah. uh, last year, they uh, mysteriously started to clean up the rail corridor. Right, okay. So yes. a little bit of public pressure. A bit of public pressure, uh, and that was also my doing and also another rail lobbyist group um, by the name of uh, Sarah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that line because it, it is one that has a direct uh, impact into uh, in our marketplace, and but moreover, it's part of our greater region. So there's, um, we were discussing this at home just a little while ago, the, the benefit of having a rail open up to the Barossa for tourism would be 
absolutely huge. I mean, almost everybody that comes to Adelaide from overseas finds their way to the Barossa. It's almost the one of the three or four things that you can really tell somebody from overseas who's visiting to go and do uh, that you'll know that they'll enjoy. And But al- almost always, somebody's got to miss out on the fun. Somebody's got to be that designated driver. That's um, right. And, and yet you've got a lot of these wineries are right there on the doorstep of the railway uh, and, sp- and probably for many years ago because it was just that's where the freight went and that's how you got your, uh, your produce back out as much as anything. But today presents as a wonderful opportunity to... Um, correct. Reactivate that and and uh, give people all the more reason to head out there on the weekend, even locals. Even locals. Um, you've uh, South Australia is what, uh, as far as I know, is the only state in Australia that actually has a rail corridor from your CBD railway station or your your Adelaide railway station to the heart of a wine region and they uh stefan noll the transport minister wants to remove 120 meters of rail line just outside of tanunda to upgrade the the uh, kramer's road crossing hmm. um which is that funny little corner as that's you're, the funny dog leg that's as the you're getting corner. out there yeah uh, and it, it is a nightmare but um at the same time he's also made a statement to say that uh, it will be reinstated if the uh, if there is future call for the rail corridor to be reopened. Well, the the downside of that is when you ask Stefan Noll and also Detai, at what cost will this um, reinstatement uh, be um, will occur at to the the South Australian taxpayer? Uh, they don't answer your questions and they cut you off. Mm. Um, and that's one thing which has to be answered because what the uh, thing that um, makes a lot of locals um, and myself very angry is there was no formal consultation of the line removal. That only come out once the plans of the... Um, of the roundabout were actually published on in a um, public forum day. So, do you, so do you think that's partly strategic? Because surely, once uh, news had got out that this, uh, that I mean, once you take away a section of railroad, uh, the chances of it being reinstated. We saw that with the tram line in Adelaide. Like, um, I mean, it's only now 30, 40, 50 years down the track that we're we're, we're getting that extension of down the King uh, King William Street. Yes. Um. It's, so it's taken a long time for that to come back. Um. But um. Why not future-proof it? Why not just relay the line at the same time whilst whilst you're doing the works? It would seem to make sense if you ever ever held intention of reopening that line for the benefit of passengers and uh, and tourists. Well, Stefan Noll also says that the he's made the statement as well is if the line is actually incorporated in the uh, roundabout now, it's going to incur bigger costs where when you speak to engineers, they uh, tell me that that's nothing but crap because if you incorporate it in there as it's getting built, how can there be an extra cost? Where the extra cost is actually going to come from is when it's reinstated, it's going to block the roundabout because they've got to dig the roundabout up for one, then you're going to have 
uh, restrictions on traffic, then you're going to have all your services uh, to operate the crossing all redone. You've got to then level the ground out once again. You've got to ballast it. You've got to sleeper it. You've got to then get the track. You've then your employment comes on top. You're higher of the machinery. But Stefan Noll seems to think that it's going to be a higher cost in incorporating it now than it is to reinstall it at a later date. It's, it's ludicrous, Dave. I, I can't see where Stefan Noll gets his um, uh, ideas from. Well, I really all, all the more baffling, given that he's the, the local parliamentarian in that part of the world in the, the city of Schubert there. And uh, you would think a fantastic you opportunity. You wouldn't believe it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it, it certainly seems disappointing given that uh, he's uh, got his hands on the levers at the moment and can make a, a big difference to that community. But I also think of the opportunity, you know, just that um, uh, for, for a passenger service. And when was the passenger service last run through that part of the world? Late 1960s? 1968, I believe. 19, the, yep. uh, the passenger service stopped um, from um, Adelaide to... Uh, to the Barossa. And, and since your appearance on today tonight, I actually had a, a lady uh, talk about this with me. Who, uh, Kirsty, it would have been. Uh, uh, no, she has made mention on Facebook, but it was okay. a, just, just, just a, a, a client. And uh, she said, I remember taking that train when I was a little girl. You know, we'd come all the way into the city. You know, that's how we came to the city. We wouldn't come in by a car. If we were, we were going to come, we'd come in by, we'd come into the city, we'd go right to the heart of the city. Mum would get done all the things she needed to get done in the city and then head back. And that was that was that once a week trip that the family would make to the city to get everything done that they needed to do. And yep. uh, people aren't doing that anymore. No. Well, when you have a look at some old photos and if you do go to, um, we've got two Facebook pages. Um, uh, what are they just for those that might the, be listening? The one I mean. is, the main one is um, Regional Rail Network. And the other one is um, Regional Rail Network of South Australia. Uh, one, the Regional Rail Network is a, um, a members page where you've, you've got a, an admin has to approve you. Um, and the uh, Regional Rail Network of South Australia is actually a community page, which also um, we, we post stuff on. But um, obviously when you... Uh, have too many Facebook pages, you um, it becomes overwhelming to uh, try and operate with me at the moment more than more than one. So we've made the um, the member one, uh, the um, Regional Rail Network, uh, our main one, and the um, Regional Rail Network of South Australia a secondary. Then we also have the Barossa Valley needs proper transport. Um, Facebook community page as well, which uh, is active, but once again, um, we cross-reference all of those three into the into the main Facebook page. Well, I think that's the thing. Once you've got a once you've got a railway line uh, heading out to a town, then all of a sudden that town itself becomes a hub, and uh, that's where you need the transport links, the buses to meet with the train line. That's where shops uh, spring up. That's where opportunity presents for business. That's what attracts more people, more tourism, money, and there's a real uh, flow-on effect, a snowball effect that happens w once you get the train line out to some of these communities. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really interested to the extent that we've recently sold a property at Hambly Bridge, for instance, 
and um, uh, and you, you can see how, how the line went out there, and some mm. of the locals still talk to this day about it when when the line went out there, and uh, and the day that the the train stopped. You know, it's a it's a sad time in, in a lot of those yes. people's lives where they feel like there was a big part of the the town that died when the the train stopped coming. Well, yeah. when you, um, I'll bring you back to what the economical uh, achievements or the economical options is uh, for um, for the Barossa. Uh, and not just the Barossa, but all the other regional stuff is you've you've got um, community involvement. So with um, with that, we would actually employ locals on the um, on the the uh, Barossa Valley Wine Train. Um, we would also involve the Nuriupta, uh TAFE out there to uh, bring on board the trainee um, people in hospitality. Because um, one of my main passions and beliefs is if you are trained professionally in hospitality, that is your passport, not just to hospitality, but actually the hospitality, wor- the world of hospitality. Yeah. You could be trained uh, on um, in, um, in South Australia and end up on a cruise ship. You could mm. end up in China, uh, Japan, working at the... Um, in the uh, in any hospitality industry, well, I, I completely advocate that. By the way, because if it wasn't for hospitality, I, my first full time job was working in a pub. Yeah. If, if I didn't pick up those customer service skills, there's no way I'd be there's able to no do what I'm doing today. You've, you've really, uh, I also believe you've got to have it in you. It's no good uh, saying, "Oh, yeah, no, well, I suppose I better do a wine course." Well, with that attitude. Don't even don't even go there yep. you, because your attitude already stinks and you would fail. You've actually got to. It's it's like uh, someone who's in the police force or their dad's in the police force. Nine times out of ten, one of the other family also joined the police force mm-hmm. because it's in it's it's in that family. Yep. And it, hospitality is the same thing. You've yep. got to you've got to want to do and it's. You, uh, hospitality and it's it's in your bloodline. If yep. you, it's no good uh, sitting on the lounge and going, oh yeah, no, I'll go and do that course because um, the doll wants me to do a do a course, so I'll pick hospitality. So Don't so even stay on the lounge because you won't pass. So you're, you're suggesting not only, uh, I mean, this this opening up the rail line has potential to open up a, a, a whole different segment of. Uh, the hospitality, training, hospitality, tourism, um, you've got tourism, marketing, um, all in that region, you've all um, activating that space. Yes, yeah. What we, what my aim is, is you will end up with a uh, a local Barossa um, a mechanic or diesel mechanic to maintain the uh, diesel engines mm-hmm. for the for the rail car. Uh, there's employment for that service station so so we brushed over it but let's talk a little bit more specifically so uh your group are now working uh in order to bring over two red hens two red hens from melbourne uh 402 and 311 and um 402 and 311 they come back and you would like to deploy them on the tourism the tourism brossa valley wine train uh, and they'll be gutted and there's already some carriages from the gentleman that you were talking about? There is. Mr. Or? John Geber is the current owner of the three cars consist of the Barossa wine train, which yep. um, later on in the interview I will run through with you how the bluebirds and the red hens actually came about 
and where they were actually built. Because right. once you find out where they were actually built, it actually changes people's attitude on South Australian rail history. Right. It so will blow your mind where they were actually made. So, there are, so there's some significance around around that. You're a lot of rail history yeah. uh, with the red hens and bluebirds. Okay, all right. Well, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, so we, so you've got uh, then, and your your ambition is to operate a rail service, a tourism rail service from Adelaide to the Brossa Valley or from Gawler to the Brossa Valley? Uh, from Adelaide to the Brossa uh, and also yep. the port of Adelaide uh, where the, um, the cruise ships will come in. Yep. And nine times out of ten, when the cruise ships come in, they will spend uh, sometimes... 12 to 24 hours docked yeah uh, and if there's nothing pre-arranged for the um, passengers on board the uh, the ship yeah they uh, they actually just wander around town yeah uh, and or go to the Adelaide Hills wineries yep. where there'd be nothing better than having them all come over to the Port Adelaide railway station board the Brussels wine train and you can then run direct from Port Adelaide to the heart of the Brossa. And the best thing of all, Dave, would be during that train ride, yep. they would already be sampling the fine wines, yep. gins and beers and gourmet foods, and also getting to understand the, the history and the culture of the Barossa Valley. Well, you've really gotten locked up for an hour to talk them into buying something once they get oh, there, ha- haven't yes. you? Yes. <laughs> well, well, yes. Yeah. And and, and do you do you, so you've got uh, so so you see several aspects of it. You get the cruise ship people. We're not ma- we're not leveraging that at the moment. Let's get them to the Barossa Valley. Let's run a service from Adelaide to the Barossa Valley for uh, for for those people that are holidaying or, or even locals that are just looking at a, yes. a a great day out with friends and family. Um, yep. And at the moment, you know, what are they doing? They're hiring a limousine. Hiring limousines. Getting a minibus or uh, restricts a lot of probably finances of people. Yeah. Um. And the and the biggest setback of all, and Stefan Noel seems to be playing part in this, is there's only one way to get to the Brossa Valley. Mm. And that is by road. Yeah. When you did have, and you can once again have, a rail corridor straight from Adelaide to the heart of Barossa Valley. And as you've already mentioned, Dave, is you take uh, a carload of people out to the Barossa and you want to have a few samples or whatever. Well, there's always one person who can't enjoy themselves. Yep. And... The only way you would be able to do it is if the the Brossa wine train and people get behind the Brossa wine train project, you will be able to have everyone enjoy sampling because what we're going to be doing is whichever wineries are picked for the day, uh, we will actually coach them from the Tanunda railway station and or the New Yorkta railway station to the wineries of... Uh, of which have been selected, where it takes away the hassle of driving themselves. We do that all for them so yep. that they can enjoy themselves. The other aspect of it as well is you've got that many festivals and um, highlights of um, uh, different other programs 
in the Barossa. Uh, but once again, you've only got one way of getting to the Barossa, and that's by road. If it you had a train service, mm. everyone will be able to enjoy themselves because there's one poor person mm. that has to be the safe driver. Yeah. And they've forgotten about that the state government of South Australia seemed to forget. They set these liquor law rules of driving in tops, but they're not doing anything to... Um, to mitigate the risk. To mitigate yeah. it or, or go, well, hey, we're gonna ha- we've made these rules now. We're going to have to say, well, let's do a train service. No, we don't. Well, essentially it's meaning if a carload of people go up and there's, uh, say, five people in the car or four people in the car, one of those people isn't going to be drinking he's, he's, that day. He's going to so, be so one, one or two, and then, then he's got to stop. So 25% of the people that are driving up there, it's a, it, theoretically, are, aren't, aren't spending the money, aren't, aren't spending, spending the same money, money or exactly. certainly not enjoying themselves. That's right. Um, so we've got, we've got a situation where there's, um, where there's a great deal that could be unlocked with that Barossa line, as you're highlighting. There's um, certainly some work to do. What, what needs to happen in order for... Uh, and I guess that from your perspective, this is the, the first stage of what you would hope to be a, a reopening of the, the regional rail network. So if this pilot, this idea takes off, then it shows, it demonstrates to be a, a template to potentially open up other lines into uh, regional Correct. South Australia. Yes, we so so what, what's, what's uh, stepping in, you in the way practically and then uh, perhaps what's stepping in, uh, what, what's in your way politically um, and, um, and legally? Uh, from realising your aspirations with this project? Well, the biggest one is the state government and Dennis Uiomi uh, not standing up to the blame for the neglect and breaches of the lease agreement. They're, they're actually um, hiding in the cupboards of who is actually to blame. Okay. So, so you've got a document that was written many years ago. N- those people can't be held responsible. You've got a government that that uh, uh, isn't necessarily wedded to the document, but is some s- in in some large part still uh, obligated to it, and who has a corporate um, entity that they probably don't want to put offline, uh, offline, offside, offside um, yeah. primarily because they're now the stewards of a very a very important network of infrastructure. Um, and so, um, where, where do you see where do you see a path forward out of that? Well, what actually has to happen is the state government have to realise that a lease agreement was signed and executed uh, in the day the on behalf of the people. Now, yep. what what else is concerning, Dave, is when you uh, sell or um, remove or, or change any infrastructure which is paid for by the government or in these days the Commonwealth of Australia uh, paid for the rail corridors of South Australia and Australia, um, they actually become public property. So it means that they become a, uh, and that's an why asset not of the state. Yep. That's why they're leased. And they're not owned. Mm. Um, so when I received all this freedom of information, uh, I had um, I gathered uh, documentation showing me what infrastructure was actually leased by Genesee Wyoming, what was bought by Genesee Wyoming, 
was the rolling stock. And that's easily identified because the um, I didn't get that information. So uh, if it's Gen- if the if Genesee Wyoming bought the rolling stock, well, it's not leased. Yeah, it's their responsibility. But even with that, uh, later on, I'll go into the history of even the rolling stock, which is now owned by Genesee Wyoming, which in fact is still uh, a um, is a is public owned asset. So, having having been accrued whilst under public ownership and and uh, with public funds, and instead of being leased, uh, that's when that was sold as part that was of sold. All the rolling stock, so your your locomotives, uh, your rail cars, uh, were all um, were all sold. And have you have you had any contact with the uh, with the uh, with the company uh, that's that's managing the railway lines we at the moment? We do. I do. Is there any relationship there or any he- headway that you can see uh, with those guys? Um, it's a, a hit and miss. Sometimes, some days when you do ring Genesee Wyoming, um, I've got a lot of a lot of a time for um, the um, um, stock management manager um and so i'm imagining he's a railway enthusiast as well at heart well i'm not sure not everyone uh is actually a rail enthusiast who yep. work work in rail some well, and uh, you get the idea of if he was he would his attitude would probably be different but he is a he is a uh, all right guy to talk to yeah uh, i've spoken to him a couple of times but the only issue is because um you don't i don't hold a railroad operation license at the moment they can actually tell you to get nicked yeah and because it's uh it's a it's you they only like to talk to people who have accreditation to yep. uh, to do it yep. but uh i managed to get uh, a few more words out of paul he, he is a good guy uh i've got a lot of fair bit of time for paul but um at the same time he can also be very cold. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I, I, I guess his responsibility is there to the company and he's doing his, his best he's he can to walk that middle he line. He is very uh, loyal, put yep. it that way. Um, but th- I have had conversations with other members of uh, Genesee Wyoming, Australia, um, and they have actually said straight out that Genesee Wyoming is scared and they know that they have breached the lease um, and they're also very wary that um, the potential is there for someone to actually take them to court mm. or a class action happen and basically um, have Genesee Wyoming financially held liable yep. for the sad condition of what once was an operating rail corridors from right around Australia. Even the the rail corridors at Port Lincoln, which uh, closed down here in August, May or August, I think it was, this year, um, the um, it, it didn't come financially viable anymore to use the rail corridor because there was that many speed restrictions mm. due to lack of maintenance. Right, okay. So... Uh, they're actually shooting themselves in the foot. So it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't make the investment, it's not financially viable, which makes it, yeah. So they ended up saying, and they couldn't do a deal with um, uh, um, the 
the grain company. Uh, I can't uh, think Viterra. Um, as one local has told me that if you ran alongside the uh, the grain train, uh, you would actually get there first, <laughs> and you were running. That's how that's how slow the speed restrictions are. So, uh, what would what would uh, take say two hours for a grain train to leave um, wherever it uh, would leave from further around the corner from Port Lincoln would quite often take say in hindsight say two hours. Well, for the grain train to get there currently, you're looking to four to five hours. That's incredible because of the speed restrictions. So it's not viable to do not operate it anymore. Yeah. So it, their, their own neglect is actually failing them. Yeah. yeah. And, and with a lot of these old regional lines, is it, it was it that it, they weren't economically viable or that was the justification for closing them down? Or, or well, where, 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 do you, where do you see some of the history of these the lines that have been closed down over the last, say, 45 years or so? What actually happened was the um, with the introduction of and the expansion of standard gauge, uh, which is a different um, size of track um, produced. Uh, so standard gauge is the one you were t- we were talking off air earlier. But that's all around the country. You get the all of South Australia is broad gauge. We're broad gauge. Yep. We're broad gauge from Adelaide to Peterborough and all your regional rail. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, when you have your other rail, which um, basically connects... Adelaide to Melbourne, uh, Sydney, Darwin, Perth, the GAN and and all that, that is actually all standard gauge. Right. So that actually branches uh, off it, um, follows the uh, passenger line uh, north to uh, Goula, branches off at Salisbury, heads up through Malala uh, and makes its way up to uh, Port Pirie, it branches off at Port Pirie and then the uh, the standard gauge line goes over to New South Wales. It also continue up to Port Augusta, where it branches off to uh, Western Australia and further uh, to uh, up to Darwin. That is all the standard gauge. Yeah. Uh, but then all of your um, regional public transport um, uh, lines, which would go to Gladstone, um, Robertstown, um, and um, Peterborough, Spalling. They're all uh, broad gauge. Yeah. But all your n- all your all your freight liners now. And, and so was that a contributing factor as to why they they weren't as viable anymore? Or yes. Well, they what actually happened was once the standard gauge line and the conversions were all done from uh, basically all the main freight lines around Australia. Yeah. It obviously the uh, Peterborough line was no longer required. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the freight lines also also stopped but yep. the um with the forced closure as i mentioned before of australian national and the uh, the very popular um bluebird national operated bluebird regional service which also used to go from adelaide to mount gambia right okay well now, mount gambia was the standard gauge yep. uh, and north of adelaide was all broad gauge well they uh, would um um what actually happened there was um, one of the marketing uh, guys um, put a uh, TV ad out for uh, the uh, the next season's promotion for Australian so National. This is back when in in the in the pre eighty two days. Oh, in the eighty two, yeah, yep, pre yep. Uh, pre 
uh, ra- probably around about yeah pre eighty two. Yep. Uh, pr- and and to also probably pre ninety seven actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the marketing manager Chris put a TV ad uh, out uh, promoting obviously the best way to travel is uh, Australian national and rah 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 rah. Well, um, he was told to uh, pull that ad uh, because Australian national had to be dissolved at any cost. So with that, uh, what they did to show the books not making any profit, um, they changed the uh, Bluebird's um, timetable around to um, work against the, um, the passengers right. and to show that it was not making any profit. So, so some degree of uh, cooking uh, the books, sabotage, sabotage uh, their the own the sabotage. So and what they did was they they changed the Bluebird uh, from a uh, morning run uh, from Adelaide to Mount Gambier, um, which it would leave at ten, I think it was ten fifteen at night yep. instead of the morning or afternoon, yep. which would still get you there at a decent time. Yeah. Well, it, by leaving. At ten fifteen at night, it wouldn't get into uh, the Mount Ga- into the Mount Gambia until approximately one forty five a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Well, who's going to want to be catching a train at that hour? Yeah. So 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 the assertion here is that um, during this time when the government had started to offload that asset, that um, they, they uh, started to work in such a, a way as to dilute its market value to make it more attractive to potential suitors uh, yes. who, who were seeking to snap up pieces of the... Pieces of uh, what was once... The National Railway the National Railway Network. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's that's a really sad thing for the people of this country. It is and very sad. And isn't it interesting that since then we've, we've uh, seen a decline in regional Australia? Uh, yes. A decline in population and opportunities and work. Yes. Um, and... Um, uh, and and a lot of that can be. I mean, if you look at the uh, at the timeline for the um, for the closure of these rail lines to, and you and you were to look at a graph of the jobs that are being sapped out of regional uh, South Australia, I think you'd find that they were pretty much corresponding with each other. Yes. Um, and and I think also therein lies uh, somewhat of an opportunity if these uh, lines were still maintained because uh, I, I actually see South Australia as a potential is in regional areas. Um, I think that Australia, ha- uh, South Australia and Adelaide um, are still very, very livable cities, but not, uh, uh, sorry, livable, very livable city and South Australia is a very livable state. But what would make it more so is a degree of decentralisation um, that would, uh, and now we've got electronic infrastructure, the MBN that's going through a lot of these regional centres. Um, and it's for that to be matched with some uh, old school infrastructure like a, a rail line, um, would mean um, a potential opening up uh, of these areas. Imagine if the if you're a young couple and you know you you may be um, nominally based in the city for work or your work is based in the city, but you don't have a requirement to work in the city every day of the week. So you can work three or four days a week from home at the Barossa because you've got the yep. MBN out there. And then once a week you jump on the train an hour and twenty minutes and you find yourself on North Terrace, um, stress free. 
there's no congestion, no parking issues in That's the city. Right. You alleviate the city of that. The uh, the the, the, uh, the um, ecological benefits and the environmental benefits as a result of you know you not jumping into a car and driving in a in a Ford Falcon from Tanunda to Adelaide, finding a park, parking it somewhere a million miles away from where you need to be for twenty five dollars for right. the day, only to jump in your car and spend the next hour and a half frustrated uh, idling up and down Port Wakefield Road. Yeah, well, what, what actually also makes you laugh is uh, you've got uh, Dipti and uh, Stefan Knoll, um, either one of them are actually, there was a segment in the, uh, it was either the paper or the advertiser a few weeks ago or it was on, on the news about the congestion in Adelaide. Mm. Uh, and you stop and think and you go, what sort of clowns are you? Mm. You... You are, st- are not um, doing anything about regional rail. Uh, you'd end up with so many other people off the road and minimise the congestion mm. if you would actually reopen uh, these regional rail corridors. I know a lot of people that live in Roseworthy mm. and Tanunda and Uri, and they actually drive into Gawler to get to work in Adelaide. In Adelaide, yeah. Um, they, there's there's even people who live um, beyond Roseworthy, which drive from um, uh, from beyond Roseworthy mm. into Adelaide every single day. Yeah. Now they go on about carbon and the emissions the cars cause. Well, hang on, uh, trains obviously aren't much better, but with the more people you get. In a, on a train, mm. you can move 98 people on a train compared to uh, how many cars would, would it take to um, run 98 people exactly. into town. I, I just can't get their, the, the South Australian government's intake. Well, uh, I, I guess I was in Freeling a little bit earlier on today, and there's a real buzz around Freeling at the moment with respect. Freeling is beautiful. It's a lovely part of the world. It's also negative. Uh, the people there, do you mean, or the, the yes. culturally? Um, yes, yeah. Well, um, the, the, they don't have a railway going through there anymore. Well, so going by a lot of people, Dave, uh, they think that my push for regional rail to Freeling is a joke. Yeah. And you should see some of the ridiculous and childish comments. Really, yeah. Uh, from really growing people. And well, I, I it's, can it's bad. Well, I can say from my experience in talking to a few people up there uh, over recent times has been that there's some there's a real high degree of excitement about the line going out to Roseworthy, and and uh, that that potential extension of the line going from Gawler to Roseworthy. That See, that's on the cards for us as well. Yeah. So th- th- and now people have spoken about that, and then when you talk to people in Hamley Bridge, that they're they're somewhat excited about that possibility as well of the train line even just going to Roseworthy yes. why because that uh, as you were saying before that means that now they're only 10 minutes away from a transport and hub. not 30 minutes and away. exactly not 30 yeah. minutes away it means opportunity for their kids because now their, their kids don't have to rent an apartment in the city they can That's stay it. home and go to uni in the city yep. um the the um there's a there's a whole range of uh, lifestyle benefits yep. that pop up for people in regional 
uh, centres. Not only that, but it, it leads to a reinvigoration of these centres because people don't have to leave in order to get on with their lives That's if right. we just provide them with a basic service like a working train line. And, uh, and even if uh, the state government aren't confident that they can run a, an effective system at profit or they can't get a contractor to do it, well, that leaves room for private enterprise. Private, we, would, we would come in, Dave, on the private sector. Right, yeah. Um, but then there's also the issue of if we come in on the private sector, um, what pricing structure? Yep. And how are we going to um, cut it into or simulate it into the um, already existing State Transport Authority? Yeah. Okay. As network, as in... Um, how do you link in? How do we link? Because you don't want to really go, okay, uh, we're going to charge uh, $5 uh, for a day trip. Yep. And then what they want to do, they don't want to catch the train uh, in straight from Roseworthy to Adelaide. Yep. So, or they or will only run the service from Roseworthy to Goula to, to link Roseworthy and Goula up. So... We would have to somehow interact uh, our ticketing system into the state government so yep. that our tickets will also work in their network. Yeah. Uh, because I wouldn't even like paying out $5 in a week or a, or a day trip or, wha- or, or a, another price and then you've got to pay again. Then you're extra. Yeah. Uh, to get you from Gawler to Adelaide. Yeah. What we would obviously have to sit down and go, well, what we'll do is. Um, the um, um, the ser- the train service will obviously leave um, Gaul uh, Roseworthy. They will pull up on the uh, platform one or two in Gawler. Yep. Uh, and then once it goes from there, uh, we will um, obviously uh, only possibly stop at your major railway stations like yep. uh, either Gawler, uh, Elizabeth, Salisbury. Um, Dry Creek, and then obviously people would probably have to move around their own shuttles to to get to their destination, yeah, uh, and things like that. But that those sort of hurdles um, would come later on if we are successful within getting a link from Roseworthy to to Gawler. Uh, and uh, with Roseworthy, exp- uh, you know, expanding as it is at the moment, there well is a huge big estate going out there mm. which is uh it's in i think it's 46 billion yeah is that right? uh, well um, I, I don't know about the figures but i've, I've heard yeah, it's, it's thousands it's of homes to be built out yeah it's it's quite huge it's going to make roseworthy the it's going to give roseworthy the infrastructure as well yeah um and with the amount of um uh, regional areas and communities of south australia which are growing because, uh, as you mentioned, Freeling before, Freeling's got um, another estate going there as we speak. Yes. Um, yeah. SA, uh, SA Home Buyers yeah. is promoting that. Um, yeah. And I've already spoken to, I think his name's Jason from SA Home Buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's actually in full support of um, getting the rail service back, yep. to, back to Freeling. Would, but would, wouldn't that it be tremendous? I mean, it, it would be, but as I said before, there are some people which think it's we're, we're just uh, beating a uh, flogging a dead horse. Yeah, and 
it 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 does annoy you, um, but you just turn around and I always say to him now is, if this plan does go ahead, you're always welcome on the train. Yep, yep. So you know? I mean, we've got a, a map in front of us, and I, and I did show that a little bit earlier. But uh, essentially, the uh, you know the we've got that line going straight through Freeling uh, to Kapunda, where after Kapunda, it's now fallen into disarray. Uh, the I yeah, guess that's the line uh, that went once, once you get to uh, basically the um, S Bend at Gawler East. Yep. Um, where also uh, a couple of months ago, a car lost control and wiped out one of the level crossing signs. Uh. Uh, so now, believe it or not, um, either the, the state government or Genesee, Wyoming, I'm not too sure which one has come out and actually cut the loop. Uh, so that rail, that uh, level crossing, if a train uh, did approach that level crossing, there'd be no warning uh, lights or sounds to say that uh, there is a train approaching and it would cross that unprotected rail, that crossing. Right. Uh, so from basically that point uh, at that level crossing all the way to uh, near Yukta, mm -hmm. uh, the line is pretty well um, a disgrace. There is rotting sleepers. It actually reminds me of a, um, a ribbon of uh, rusting steel and sleepers. <laughs> so uh, heartbreaking. It is. Um, From what it was to now, uh, someone, and I, Genesee, Wyoming and the state government are financially liable for the condition of this rail corridor. It's uh, and, and when, you, when you look at this, this is really, this is the veins going into our regional centres. You know, uh, the significant towns or those towns that were once significant along this line that already have fantastic, uh, in a lot of cases, fantastic infrastructure in themselves. You yes. know, when you talk about Hamley Bridge, there's not much oh, well there it's not just infrastructure, need. Dave. There's it's also um, tourism drive. Yes. Yep. Um, Great potential. I'm, I don't... Uh, venture out uh, out much, especially with the the price of fuel these days. Uh, but I've, I've I'm planning to head up to um, Hamley Bridge, uh, and um, I've already been out to Owen, uh, right up to Balaclava, and you've got so much potential for for tourism. Yeah. Um, the only thing that they lack is. Um, accommodation. Yeah. If someone, if there was a caravan park there, you'd be able to, hey, spend a weekend up at Balaclava. Yeah. In well, the right time of year. Well, I, I, it's funny, you know, a characteristic of a lot of these towns is that they've they've got one or two or three pubs. They used to have four or five pubs. Yeah. Uh, sadly those pubs, are, uh, you know, have shut down, yeah. but could easily be reopened Re if there was the demand definitely. there. Um, and and so the. There's a lot of reasons, and I think you know, decentralising our lifestyle so that we can, you know, so that young families may be able to afford a property um, that's a, a decent on a decent size block, yep. um, where you know, in in even the suburbs of Adelaide, that's becoming increasingly difficult. But if they're willing to go that extra twenty minutes, half an hour further north, 
they can find themselves in a beautiful community with a with a great property. Um, and if there was a rail corridor there, that would be, I think, the impetus between b- behind that decision in itself. Because when you're buying a home, especially if you're a young couple, you're thinking about the family of the fu- in your future, and you think, well, how are my kids going to get to a decent school? Yes. How are my kids going to be able to access work? How are my kids going to be able to leverage the new economy? And, and does this town has, have MBN? Yep. Does it have a railway line? Yep. Uh, can Quick transport. Yeah. Uh, can, we, can we get around without it costing us a fortune? Yep. Great. Well, there's a, there's a, a, a place for us. Well, amazingly enough as well, Dave, is I posted um, the Today Tonight um, article on the um, Port Augusta um, community page. Yeah. And the amount of support I've got uh, to have a rail service from back from Ad- to Adelaide to uh, all the way around to Wyala. Mm-hmm. Uh, via Port Augusta and Port Pirie yeah. is actually amazing. And a lot of people make the comment of, I will support it because I can remember as a kid mm. travelling on the bud car. Right, okay, yep. Now, this is where you'll now start to find out from me where the rail history of... South yeah, step us through that. Yeah. actually stems from okay. and where the bud car plays part in South Australian rail history. Take us through it. Well, in um, 1951, well in 1950, the Commonwealth of Australia purchased three bud car rail cars from the bud company in America. Mm-hmm. And they come over on by obviously shipped, they were offloaded and arrived, uh, they arrived in um, Port Augusta in 1951 after being ordered in 1950. Um, They were offloaded and they were basically put straight into a trial mode and that was the three consist of the bud car uh, went from Port Augusta, I believe, to Kalgoorlie in right. Western Australia. Wow, okay. And that was their maiden trial run <laughs> to find out how long it would take. Most people go around the block first. Yes. Not necessarily off to Kalgoorlie. Off to Kalgoorlie. <laughs> the, 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 um, yeah, the, the dusty pace of Western Australia. <laughs> uh, and it, I can't remember now the, um, the stats of the trial runs, but it, um, it got up to a speed of... I think it was 83.2 kilometres an hour. Right. Or miles an hour. Miles an hour, maybe. 100 um, So it, it did tick uh, along quite nicely. Yeah. And they put the, um, the trial down to a complete success. Well, once they returned to Port Augusta, they went to their maiden journeys. Yep. And so the bud cars would go from Adelaide to Port Augusta Adelaide to Broken Hill, they were your regional um, rail networks on the standard gauge. Right, okay. So they actually connected up um, your uh, your major major towns of obviously Port Augusta, Port Pirie, uh, Wyala, um, they would also, as I said, scoot across to um, Broken Hill. Well, uh, over the years, uh, the uh, from I think it was about... Uh, 
19... Yeah, I can't remember the year. Uh, they, they, they took them out of service. Yeah. Uh, and um, for uh, revamps and uh, motor changes mm -hmm. to um, from um, uh, GM to, I think it was Rolls-Royce Motors and stuff. Um, then they re-entered them back into service. Some of them, the whole three, I believe, ended up with um, a cafeteria area. Oh they yeah. had a little bar, coffee station, and rah, 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 yeah. um, which removed uh, the number of passengers it could hold and, and stuff. Um, and then they re-entered back into service. But sadly, I believe, I think it was in 1983, the Bud car, uh, one of the Bud cars was... Um, involved in a uh, fatal level crossing oh. at um, at Heaslip Road, mm -hmm. uh, where the uh, sadly the the driver was killed, yeah. and also um, a uh, a passenger on the train yeah. when a truck uh, decided to uh, not <laughs> stop at the level crossing mm. uh, and slammed into. Um, the uh, the bud car uh, the consist of three, uh, which sadly it wasn't until many years later I think it was about two thousand and fifteen uh, the decision was made to scrap it. Yep. Um, and they they didn't want to have any any it, it was just what would have been like a bad vibe. Yep. Um, with the with the train, um, and uh, so yeah, so the decision was made to made to scrap it. And uh, which now only leaves two Bud cars, Bud Car One, um, which is um, all refurbed and sits down at the Adelaide Railway, uh, the um, National Railway Museum. Oh yes, yeah. Here in Port Adelaide. Yep. Uh, and the other Bud car is located up in Port Augusta. Right. Okay. So both still in uh, so South Australia. Yep. Uh, the Bud Car One is, uh, I believe, is uh, operational. Yep. But the uh, Bud car up in um, Port Augusta, uh, owned by a Kim Wellsby, mm -hmm. um, he uh, has sort of um, been trying his hardest to um, re um, restore the uh, the Bud car. Yeah. But as as quickly as he's restoring it, uh, something else goes wrong. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a it is so he's a, just a private gentleman. He he's a private gentleman, and he's a, he's a, he's private a funds, I believe. Yep. Um, but as he's fixing it up, what he's fixed up a few months down the track is is broken. Is because yeah. it actually sits out in the weather, yeah. unfortunately. Um, so I take my hat off to to Kim. Yeah. He, he's he's done a great job, um, even with that, and um, trying to preserve some of our trying to history. preserve it. Um, and one of the things that once I found out uh, who actually owned, I think it was Bud Car Three. No, I won't. I won't say because I may get them mixed up. Um, the um, once I found out that where were the uh, location of the Bud Car was in Port Augusta, uh, I uh, obtained Kim's phone number and email address, yeah. and I started to communicate with uh, Kim um, in um, trying to. Uh, find out the background of the car and how it was and rah, rah, rah. And we got to the stage where he basically said, look, 
if you can um, prove to me on the financial side that you've got the funds to keep restoration of this bud cast, uh, you can have it. Uh, so he said, just send me up your proposal uh, and a timeline of the projects. But then all other stuff started happening and yeah. and stuff, uh, and that one's been put on the, the back burner. But we've also got um, uh, the interest of a uh, another multi-million dollar uh, company which is um, potentially coming on board um, to help us get the rail service from Adelaide back to Ayala, as, as you've already said before. Um, the economical uh, opportunities for tourism, oh. especially to a place like Wyala and yeah. Port Augusta and Port Pirie, yeah. is phenomenal. And, yeah. and, and you're mad not to do it, yeah. especially when the people are singing out for it. Yeah. And that brings it back to the post, which I made on the um, Port Augusta um, rant and rave page. Yeah. I've got that much support. And believe it or not, I don't even think there's any negative stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, people and people, as soon as soon as the people have mentioned the bud cast, uh, I've just gone, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, beautiful. Because uh, even my auntie um, um, last year, um, my uh, uncle passed away in Strathalbyn, and uh, we were at the um, the awake, and um, all <laughs> I went up to my auntie, and all what I mentioned to her was the bud cast. Yeah. And it was like a little kid she in a lolly shop. Oh, yep, yep. She has got fond memories yep. of her childhood days of travelling on the Budcast. Yeah. And she just could not stop talking about it. Yep. And her husband now, because um, my uncle and auntie stood up many years ago, um, she's got um, a new, new uh, brilliant guy in her life, uh, Jim, mm-hmm. uh, who was actually the... Um, diesel mechanic. Oh, really? For the bud car. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> uh, it it opens up a uh, so a, a world of opportunity. So there's a whole, whole level of um, nostalgia attached to it, but there's also it, and and, uh, and you see this in movie reboots and TV show reboots and um, old brands now becoming new and reinvented yeah. and repurposed. Um, and I see this as another example of that, it where there's a, a, it is an attachment and, uh, and a nostalgia. But moreover, it seems there's popular support to reopen up these. It's these getting very popular, lines. Dave. Very yeah. popular. And, it, and it's growing. And, um, and you're at the head of the movement. And I'm at the head of the movement. You've got, as I mentioned, Sarah before. Uh, Sarah is, they're a, a top group um, who've obviously had um, a f- not fallouts or whatever, but um, I'll make It'd a comment. Be some differing of, dif- of opinion, differing, but yeah. everybody's after the but same they're objective. A, but they're a great, they're a great group. Yeah. Uh, they're strong. But with Sarah, they're a, a group which um, they've gone down a different path. Okay. Uh, they're um, more on the drive for um, the state government to reopen these lines. Right. Where the state government have made it very clear that they're not interested. Yeah. Um, and then when I've come into the picture, I've gone, well, I'm going to go down an avenue of me obtaining my accreditation to become a railroad operator. Yeah. And then once you've got that, you can take the next step and you go, right, now I just want some uh, 
rail cars. Yep. Uh, and uh, and things like that. Where so Sarah are on a they're on the on the uh, the um, drive for. They would like to be put back into. They would hands. like to be put back into public hands. Same as me. Yeah. Um, but you're a bit more realistic. But in that. I'm more of operation side of it. Yeah. Sarah's just the pushing of getting the getting the lines fixed up yep. and reopened. But hang on, who's actually going to operate them? Yeah. Where I'm going to operate them? Yeah. I'm on. The, I'm on. It's like a bit of a Y. They're on that side, and I'm taking the I'm taking the other side of the Y. And Grant, if, peop- if people are, are, are listening and and they're somewhat excited by what you're saying, and and as you're saying, you, you're now getting uh, some board room level support from some big companies at the moment. But really, this is an under a grassroots undertaking. Uh, headed up by yourself. What's the easiest way that people can support you in that? We, we were mentioning off air. There's the possibility to bring two of those red hens back, um, so you can secure those uh, those trains for 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 free. But you, there's a significant cost in there bringing them back yes. to South Australia. Um, so it, is there a way that people can help you with that, which would be a great first start whilst you're still arm wrestling uh, the the government and the over over the rail lines? Yes. Well. Um, with the, uh, the the financial support which we're uh, seeking is we're seeking about a hundred thousand dollars for the um, transport to bring these two iconic nineteen fifty five red hens um, back from uh, South Gippsland area of Victoria uh, to Adelaide where. They're called red hens, so I've made it a bit of a joke at the same time. I'm bringing the red hens home to roost. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, and that gets a lot of people, as you've just laughed then, Dave, it, it gets a lot of people Everyone's like... Everyone's got a red hen story, uh, haven't they? Uh, uh, <laughs> red hens, they're fully air-conditioned people. Uh, you just slide the window down or open the door. Uh, so, yes. Same whenever you want to get out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if the doors are open on a summer's day, there's nothing better than watching the brake particles just float around <laughs> you and enter your lungs. You know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, um, so, so people want to support you. There's going to be a GoFundMe. Uh, there is a, a GoFundMe page, which oh, um, is it already up? It's uh, got to have some other work done to it. So and it's I'll almost up. And I believe that you might be able to help me, Dave. Yes. Hopefully. Okay. And I've just popped that on, Dave. But <laughs> I'm, I'm always happy to help. I'm getting a laugh from him and a bit of a smile. So uh, it's only, uh, well, I won't talk about it on air. Uh, I'll talk about it after. Yep. Uh, but we're, yeah, the GoFundMe page. Uh, we're also um, doing a promotion on Billy G's Cookie Dough. Now, the Billy G's Cookie Dough is lots of doughs which come in a kilo block. And what tub? And the best thing about the Billy G's cookie dough is, if you have a bit of a a function at home and you want some cookies, or yeah. here in Australia, I'll probably get my fingers slapped. They'll go, "We're Australia. We're not American. We we have biscuits here. Cookies, yeah. Not cookies. Um, the biscuits, the biscuit dough. You take it out of the freezer. You scoop out once it defrosts. You scoop out as many Biscuit bits, bits as you want. Yep. I go the macad- white macadamia <laughs> mixture. <laughs> That's the whole tip. Abs- oh, beautiful! In fact, it doesn't actually make the oven uh, because <laughs> I sit there and eat it out of the container like raw. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it may sound sick, but I'm not the only one. Uh, Billy G Cookie Dough go about 
uh, for about seven in a week in their own office oh. of the cookie dough of <laughs> eating it raw. It's another so place it's not to work if you're on a diet. Yes. <laughs> so when you've uh, cooked your biscuits or taken your, your biscuits out uh, and put them on, the, um, on the, the, the tray to go into the oven, you throw the whole cookie dough mixture in the container back into the freezer and you may not use it again for six, seven months, 12 months yeah. down the track. Oh, let's have some biscuits again. You take it out, uh, you defrost it, get as many as you want, and you can throw it back in the freezer again. It doesn't, there's no limit of freezing time yep. and how many times you freeze it. Yep. So we're um, uh, having those um, promoted as well. We make about, I so think it's $3.50 profit each tub. So people can buy those tubs? People will be able to buy those tubs. And where, from where can they buy them from? They will be. We've got to seek the okay from different other premises, mm-hmm. um, but they will be the locations will be posted on the uh, regional rail network group of um, where they can uh, purchase the the cookie dough. And I probably also would ask if you believe that you can lend a hand in uh, promoting this as well. Mm-hmm. Please leave a message. Uh, on the Facebook group, yeah, uh, to say yes, I would like to help you out with the cookie dough because yep. uh, they're fairly popular. Um, and what's uh, rather annoying some days is they're seasonal. Well, they're a little bit like hot cross buns to me. Okay, I believe hot cross buns should be uh, all year round. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're one of those. <laughs> and the Billy G cookie dough. Whenever people want to raise funds, uh, after six weeks they disappear and you never see them again. Yeah. So what we're going to do is try and have as many Billy G Cookie Dough fundraisers out there okay. as possible and also on a continuous basis. So this is great. So South Australians will have the regional net, uh, rail network they deserve and, yes. and, 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 and cookies are plenty in their, in their freezer. Oh, cookies, it's a win-win. Yes. It's a win-win, <laughs> definitely. So, um, and I'll be knocking on your door for your kind uh, your donation. Uh, your, your, uh, no, your macadamia. Okay, awesome. Uh, <laughs> so you'll go around. You're the you're the tester. I'm you, the tester. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and um, I'll I'll bring my own tea as well. <laughs> you just supply the biscuits. <laughs> well, Grant, the um, so if people uh, once again, if people do want to get in contact with you to keep up to date with. Um, your work in reopening the regional railways of South Australia um, and to support the cause and to keep abreast of um, uh, updates as to how people can financially support that cause, uh, they can jump on the regional railway network. Regional railway network. Network Facebook page. Yep. So if you're on Facebook page, regional railway network, just remember that, type that in. Um, you'll see uh, all the good work that's, uh, that's been going on there. Grant's uh, often posting there. Uh, you'll see the Today Tonight story on that page as well. And uh, you'll also um, uh, see little updates about the line uh, from Grant as he's uh, travelling along and auditing the line um, in the interests of South Australians who, after all, paid for these lines in the first place. Yep. And I'm sure uh, our forefathers would be very disappointed to know that uh, after selling out to a, to a large international concern that these uh, this huge asset of, uh, of this state and of the people is being neglected um, and neglected in their name. And so if you also want to support politically uh, the efforts uh, of Grant and the whole team, 
then the best thing that you can do is get in contact with, with the member of Sherbert, who is all Schubert, who is uh, the Transport Minister, Stefan Knoll, and uh, make sure that uh, he's aware, that his office is aware, that his electoral office and his ministerial office are aware that you indeed support regional railways. You want to see the opening up of these regional railways, or at least the maintenance of the lines, so that they're in compliance with the lease that's been signed and executed by both parties here. One, one of those parties, it was signed on behalf of you, the people of South Australia, to ensure that these railways could be reopened with two weeks' notice, and in some cases you would need weeks or months of work mm. in order to make, reactivate these lines. So in the case of national emergency, we have lost a tremendous asset. In the case of uh, economic reactivation of our lower mid-north and the mid-north and, mid and beyond, uh, we've uh, lost a tremendous asset uh, over the last generation or so. But it's, it, it's not too late, but it might well soon be too late. And, um, and when we've seen major uh, intersections um, being replaced, but without the rail line, uh, when we're seeing, um, uh, I guess, uh, accidents and things happen in such a way that parts of the line are being dug up or new roads are being laid over the train line and yet the line isn't being reinstated afterwards, uh, it's just uh, it's, it's a death of a thousand cuts mm. for our rail network. So. Um, yeah, I, I really want to thank, well, firstly, Grant for coming on today. I really appreciate it, mate. No it's worries. been tremendous following your story. And um, and I want to thank Kirsty Hutchinson as well for, because she Kirstie did invite me. She invited me to the grief and she's a, a passionate advocate um, of your cause as well. And uh, if it wasn't for her inviting me to the grief in the first place, I wouldn't have, uh, uh, I guess, become familiar with uh, the hard work that you're doing. And, and really, this is, um, you know, you, you're doing this off your own back. You're not, you're not, um, you know, you're not being supported by any big entities. You, you don't have the not financial, yet. not yet, but you don't have the financial uh, resources and the like of a big company behind you pushing you along. And you're not doing this with any other agenda than simply as, uh, you know, a, a kid from Gulu grew up loving the trains who can see the potential for our state in that rail network if it was only resuscitated. So that's, that's correct. Thank you for your service to our community. And if it wasn't for you uh, holding up the uh, holding up the flag on this, I, I think that this could easily be an issue that uh, faded away and um, and that uh, it wouldn't be too long before we would lose this railway uh, network forever. Yeah, well, that's correct. And one of the major concerning parts, Dave, is um, in August this year, uh, Genesee, Wyoming, uh, was sold uh, off in America. Um <laughs> which it was sold to a Canadian uh, consortium or a, a Canadian company uh, called um, Brookfields and also a Singaporean company. Now, what actually that means is some people will say, oh, yeah, well, some companies just, they get bought out and, and things like that. Well, in this instant Dave, instance, Dave, with the lease agreement, um, it states also in the lease agreement if the um, ownership right down to the board of directors uh, changes, um, the lease agreement is actually also in doubt. Hmm. Um, but no, because... So transfer of ownership must be approved by the government. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. essentially the essence and of that's the agreement. That's and, and that's every contract is like that. If hmm. management changes... Um, you the set that whatever uh, of whoever the lease or is 
must be contacted. Yeah. And they must agree to that it there's no conflict yeah. of interest in in the takeover. Yeah. Now the the other concerning uh, aspect of this also, Dave, is um, with the selling of Genesee, Wyoming, in America. Um, it was also put out in a financial report, which has mysteriously disappeared hmm. uh, off of uh, the web. Uh, but I can remember reading it and also asking uh, a uh, colleague who's also uh, helping me, Brian Liebman from New South Wales, uh, what a certain word meant in this financial report. And it come down to... The word, which I'd never even heard of, is another word used for dissolvement. Right. So, when you read this report, um, Genesee, Wyoming, s- Australia, is 49% owned by Macquarie Bank. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so Genesee, Wyoming, don't really have much of the lease at all. Okay. Or the rolling stock. Now... At the end of the day, um, what it also means is Genesee, Wyoming, um, in late 2019 to early 2020, is actually going to be dissolved, hmm. which means Genesee, Wyoming... So all of its assets have gone to this new company yeah. and the old company that would have originally executed the lease... Well, no just, disappears. just disappears. Just, just disappears. Just disappears. So what happens to the either. rolling stock? Uh, I would say uh, Macquarie Bank will sell off the rolling stock. Right. Uh, and um, only keep what assets they want to operate um, different operations for. Yeah. Um, there are rumours now that Genesee Wyoming are going to keep the standard gauge line operations, yeah. uh, which make money. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and other operators actually own that line. So mm. they don't have to spend the money to maintain that rail corridor. Yeah. So, but I'd like to see the report, wi- if it did go into Genesee, Wyoming's leasing management, how long that line would last for. Yeah. Because um, at the moment now, uh, Genesee, Wyoming, with them, the decision to obviously um, dissolve, uh also now raises the question of if they get dissolved, who is actually going to be held financially liable mm. for the condition of a neglected rail line and infrastructure what once was South Australia's most vital rail links, not just to South Australia, mm. but Australia, yeah. and it was handed to them at a operating standard. And it states it in the lease that on termination, it must go back to the government yep. in a operating standard. Yeah, there would be a make good, uh, a make good clause. And at the moment, if Genesee, Wyoming disappear, who's going to be held liable? The government of South Australia does not want to put money into the infrastructure, which makes you also laugh because what either Melbourne or Sydney done, uh, New South Wales or Victoria did, many years ago round about probably the same time as Australian National closed uh, forced closure as well, is they also removed a heap of rail corridors, mm. regional rail corridors. Yep. 
only to 30 years later have to we've got too many people in regional New South Wales or Victoria now, we're going to have to put the rail corridor back. Five times the cost that it was to even maintain them. Just to maintain them, yeah. So, you know. It is is really short-sighted. It is short-sighted. Very short-sighted. And and when you you do look at this map, and I did hold it up earlier. Oh, this is true. Well, we'll keep this as a resource, so if anybody... Uh, is ever keen to get a copy of this and just to look over it themselves. Um, uh, for me, I find this fascinating because where, wherever I see this train line, I see I see potential uh, for growth, and um, and I see so many towns dotted along here that uh, have the nucleus of what all all that a community needs. They've got shops, they've got schools, they've got vibrant main streets, they've got uh, and and of course through the Barossa, there's a vibrant tourism trade. Um, there's plenty that can be done through uh, even Capunda, Freeling. Uh, Hamley um, and, and across, just to make uh, the lives of those people so much more livable in terms of their accessi- accessibility yes. to um, b- better better schooling for their kids um, and uh, and opportunities, jobs, of course, you know. Well, it's all going to be local uh, local employment. Yeah. Um, especially on the the Barossa line, because we'll be looking, as I've mentioned, uh, a local diesel mechanic, uh, a local fuel supplier. Yeah. Uh, moving away from your big, um, big companies. Yeah. So you you try and find a family-owned service station. I'm big on the employment. I'm big on the decentralised yeah. economy, and, we, and and I had Rick Carter on the podcast last week, and he was talking about uh, why Adelaide may be Asia's Silicon Valley. Oh, I heard that podcast. It oh. was uh, it was I only heard it yesterday when you um sent it to me in that link. Yep. Um. And I'd actually have to agree with what you you were both saying yep. that South Australia can be again a hub of for tourism. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's being neglected. Well, and and opportunities being squandered, I mm. think. And you know, there's that real careful balance between you know new tech industries taking off and and uh, old school infrastructure servicing yep. uh, the the. F- the future growth of our economy, and uh, and it seems to me whenever you've got a retraction in infrastructure, uh, a, or a contraction economically tends to happen, and we've actually seen a decline all through that that lower mid north region and beyond uh, over the last 35, 40 years as the rail has become less and less active, and in some cases died off altogether. Yep. And I would say a reactivation of those corridors would mean uh, an economic boom for for those uh, regional areas and um and and can make for a fantastic lifestyle choice for those people that are living in the suburbs or in the city that want to give their kids a a different lifestyle uh perhaps one more in alignment with with their childhood and uh and give them the opportunity to live in a in one of our beautiful regional centers of which there are many dotted up and down that that train line so so yeah well you know um you know the barossa valley um is now going to be set out as the uh, the Jetson, George Jetson's town, don't you? I didn't know about George Jetson's town there. Mm-hmm. No. no. Uh, well, what it, uh, what I mean by that is uh, with the uh, the future uh, vehicles which um, uh, Stefan Noll is uh, going to introduce once the rail corridor has been cut mm-hmm. of 120 metres, yep. is an autonomous vehicle. Mm. And that is going to run on the rail corridors when required, and any other time, uh, it's going to remove itself from the rail corridors and drive around 
the um, the Barossa linking up Tananda and Nuriupta, uh, driving locals uh, to their front door, uh, which makes you uh, laugh because there's been no financial figures ever produced on what it's actually going to cost the ratepayers. Um, how that also helps employment, where you've got my plan mm. to reintroduce the Brussels wine train, yep. which is going to curate employment because we will be wanting local stewards, yep. um, your government tapes, yep. all your local gourmet food yep. to be supplied on the train, and it's all community support for a, for a uh, Brussels wine train. What uh, help? is an autonomous vehicle yep. going to do. And the other thing is as well uh, with the autonomous vehicle is how do you once again get the people from Adelaide mm. to the Barossa? Yep. Now, is that autonomous vehicle going to drive itself to Seppersfield yep. because the people want to go to the Seppersfield winery? I can't see that. Well, the other so thing is, you know, it makes you laugh. Well, there's a tremendous amount of infrastructure that needs to be put in place to service autonomous vehicles, and uh, the from street signage to uh, clearly clearly marked roads. Um, and although that technology is developing very very rapidly uh, in terms of um, road sign detection and the ability of vehicles to be able to work out where they're going, and we've seen huge leaps and bounds in that technology just in the last five it's years. It's amazing, and, and but I'm sure I don't it's going to catch up. But yeah, but by the same token, I kind of feel like there's a significant investment that needs to be made in the infrastructure that goes in to back that up. And when you've already got a rail line there, when Straight you've already got the heart. hard infrastructure already in place. And I also think autonomous vehicles serve better when uh, serving locally. So um, it, it would appear we've had an autonomous uh, bus, for instance, just downstairs over <laughs> recent recent months. And uh, we're at uh, Fluid Solar House, which is part of the medical uh, precinct in around Lyme McEwen Hospital. And there's been a trial of an autonomous vehicle. Um, it doesn't, and I'm sure this will change, but it doesn't go more than 15 kilometres an hour. Um, don't get caught behind it. Don't get caught behind it. Very frustrating, especially if you're in a rush, late for an appointment or something like yes. that. Um, it, it didn't go too far. and. Um, and there wasn't much of an uptake because there wasn't much benefit in it. Now, I can see perhaps that type of transport working well for uh, Edna, who needs to get down to the shops and um, and doesn't have her car, and, and it's only a matter of a couple of kilometres, but Edna's 82, and, and she can't get around of her own steam anymore. See, so it's only... It's, um, or it might get her down to the train line. Right. It might get her to the train line, which that's then she true. can jump on. And and jump on the train. But so it, it, they've lost the link between the use of tourists... To locals, yes. Yeah, I've already had a meeting with the mayor of uh, the Brossa, Bin, brilliant guy. Yep. Uh, very, um, very well spoken. He, I'll give him credit. Um, but when I mentioned that the autonomous vehicle is potentially, and the evidence I've seen is only for locals, mm. um, I won't. I can't remember his response, but uh, it was like, well, you've done it, guys. Yeah. Um. You've you've made it, but you've missed the missing link. Yes, on it is that's made very clear that it's not for tourism. Yeah, it is for only locals. And and it's also, I mean, that that type of technology, it would be five or ten years down the track before that was even uh, uh, 
viable in terms of its utility, not necessarily economically. Yeah. Um, because I, I haven't seen any modelling around any of that to, to uh, at this stage because any of the autonomous uh, tests that have been uh, undertaken have been undertaken at the cost of government uh, right now. Yeah. Um, so um, which is never disclosed either. No, no, no. And, and there's a reason why there's not. Uh, you don't have the two to eight line running from the you know from from Manapara to Adelaide that's an autonomous vehicle yet. There's a very good reason for that. Um, it's infrastructure and it's cost um, straight out. You know, we, we don't have the infrastructure and, and it's, it's too costly uh, to, to lay it down. Yet we've got uh, a fantastic yep. natural asset already in place, a corridor established. All it needs to be is maintained. All somebody has to do is go and pull the weeds out occasionally. <laughs> um, and, uh, I'll and send you some photos. They're not, <laughs> they're not weeds, Dave. I, I, I've seen some of those trees. They're about 20 foot tall growing in between in fact, the, the sleepers. If we do, if we are successful with it, I uh, I will leave a certain amount of trees in the rail corridor as long as I possibly can. And w at, uh, at, a, at a Christmas time, uh, to help raise money, um, I will go there and I'll cut them off because they're actually beautiful Christmas trees. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. The right shape and everything. And they are actually green as green and they are beautiful. So auction them off. Auction, to auction them off. The auction it. them off. Or I'll help you, you with that one. Definitely. Yeah. Well, be good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, for anybody intrigued, once again, um, uh, by this and would like further information, then uh, the the uh, the Facebook page again. Facebook page is uh, Regional Rail Network. Regional Rail Network. So jump on there. That way you can keep up to date with um, all the great work that Grant's doing right now. Um, the other thing I, I would suggest to people is keep an eye out for those fundraising activities that come up there because if you feel that this is something that can benefit you, um, your family, uh, or just our state just generally, then I would say get behind it. It would be great to get those red hens back and see them back in service, um, not just from a, a point of nostalgia, but as a, as a point of utility so that we can, we can reopen uh, this, uh, this spectacular, well, uh, reopen this opportunity, I would say, uh, this railway um, all the way out to the Barossa. And if that all works, and, and I'm entirely confident that if given the opportunity, Grant, you'd make it work successfully, then it'd be fantastic to see those lines open all the way up to, to really unlock um, our, our low and mid north and beyond. Um, so thanks again for popping on the podcast. No worries. And, um, and like I say, anybody wants to, Regional Rail Network, Regional Rail Network Railway Network, Facebook. get on the Facebook. Um, keep in contact with all updates. Uh, you can check out everything that's going on there. And uh, and I hope that you guys out there got a lot out of today's podcast. I certainly did. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this intrigues me tremendously. And it's fantastic when you can see, um, just laid out on a map, uh, how, how easily uh, our state's fortunes could be turned around from a position of the lowest business confidence and lowest consumer confidence on record. Um, and with great ideas like this, uh, we've got so much potential to unlock in our state. So uh, if you're enthusiastic about it, jump on the Facebook page. Make sure that you uh, keep up to date with the fundraisers and uh, moreover support this fantastic cause. I'm Dave from Real. Ooh, and if you're, a, if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're a company, uh, we're also open to uh, donations yep. as well. Uh, and obviously uh, they're tax deductible as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so make the most of it. Get behind it. And, and perhaps if you uh, do have a business and it is long one of these now dormant railways or perhaps you're a local and you've noticed uh, that the railway isn't being maintained as it was when you were younger and you wonder why. Well, hopefully you've got the answers to that now and you understand that it's not um, as a matter of uh, uh, any... Um, 
neglect of the public or anything like that. As a matter of fact, the documents signed on our behalf uh, by the state government are quite clear in that these lines should be reactivated within 14 days. And so if you're somewhat dismayed by the state of, of our rail network, then um, please get on board, support it. If you've got a business along there and you'd like to potentially one day or work towards getting those uh, lines opened up for the benefit of your business and your entire community, please don't hesitate to reach out to Grant and I'm sure um, uh, he'll furnish you with all the information you need so that you can become an active supporter of the cause. So I'm Dave from Real. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast once again. The big takeaway, the big real estate takeaway from this, of course, is that whenever you're buying property along a railway, it doesn't even necessarily need to be an active one if there's people like Grant around who are seeking to reactivate it. It could be the long play and the investment that in the future uh, comes along to reward you handsomely. I'm Dave from Real. Enjoy the podcast, re-listen to it in your own leisure, and I'll look forward to bringing you more next time. Ooh. Now, did you want to hear the history on the Red Hens? Sure. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Well, obviously I mentioned the Bud Car in 1950. Uh, what actually happened um, in the... Um, around about the 1955 when the Red Hens started to, um, uh, to be made, uh, the South Australian government said, look, we've got to... Um, retire the old uh, rattlers here in South Australia. Uh, what should we basically do? Well, someone come up with the idea of why don't we reproduce the bud car? Right, okay. Under Australia, for, for South Australia's public transport. So a little uh, bit like the Chinese ripping off car designs. So yes. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So, so we did that to the bud car yeah, people, so they right? Ended okay. up getting the, they actually ended up getting the blueprints. Yeah. Uh, and oh, the so it was uh, done under licence, was it? Yeah, or, yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, yep. I, I, really I hope the bud car people aren't listening, just in case. No, <laughs> no longer operating, unfortunately. Oh, no they're, one can complain then. No, no one can complain. <laughs> Mr Bud, uh, you've done a great job. And with that, they, um, they said, right, well, we will make a public transport train. <laughs> um, so they took the, the blueprints and they said, well, we can do this cheap because the red hens and the bluebirds well, you would not believe when you do your research on them, the dearest one, the dearest bluebird ever made, was a hundred and seven thousand dollars. Oh, really? Yeah, pounds. That's it. Pounds. Pounds. Yeah, right. Wow. Which? Okay. Um, no dollars, because I've actually checked that. Oh, out. okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. It is in dollars. Yeah. Because yeah, someone yeah. said no, you'd mean pounds, and I've gone. Well, no, I'm sure I seen a dollar sign. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. So the equivalent to roughly $100,000 yeah, $100, these days. $100,000. Wow. And so that's where the uh, the Red Hens were produced. Uh, they were pretty basic. They obviously don't have air conditioning, sliding doors, up and down windows. Um, They're like an early Volkswagen seats. Beetle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, as I said before, fully air conditioned, just open the window or slide the door open. Uh, so that's where your red hens come from. And then in 19, the 1960s, uh, I believe it was the 1960s, when the South Australian government said, well, okay, we're also now going to do regional rail. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not regional rail. Um, yeah, yeah, South Australian government said regional rail. And the, they, they, were, they were built by uh, South Australian Railways mm-hmm. at Islington right here in Adelaide. Oh, really? Yeah, right. At the, at the works. works. <laughs> yeah. So my grandfather worked down there. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, he more than likely would have either built the Red Hen, yep. the Bluebird, or the um, the uh, uh, locomotives yep. or other rail cars. 
um, rail carriages like the, the old Stony and all the flatbed trains and, yeah. and all that. So then the 1960s come around and the um, they started ray- laying rail corridors uh, further out uh, in regional South Australia to also house and operate the regional rail uh, operations of the Bluebird. Yeah, right. So once again, they've gone, right, well, we're going to use the blueprints from the bud car. Yep. And that's, uh, that's why the red hens actually and the Bluebirds look very much similar right. to the bud car when you see the bud car. Because gotcha. um, the r- Bluebirds and the uh, bud car are all air-conditioned. Yeah. Uh, nice seats. Yeah. Um, restrooms. Um, double uh, the double windows, so you've actually got movers in between the windows yeah. for uh, having a bit of extra sleep. Yeah. Um, so one's like a Belmont, and the other one's like a Caprice. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the <laughs> so uh, they red hens your Belmonts of the yep. or your Kingswood maybe, your Kingswood, yeah, <laughs> and then no you graduate through to and your then yeah yeah. And then, um, and that's yeah, that's that's how the bluebirds and the red hens actually come about. And Absolutely it, incredible. Uh, each the red hens didn't go so through much fame, mm. um, but they are still rail icons of South Australia. It doesn't matter where you go, Dave, at a pub, at a party, if you mention a red hen, yeah, you become the life of the party. Yep, yep. Everyone knows. A red hen and what a red hen is. Yeah, everyone's um, got a red hen story, as I was yeah, saying before. Yeah, yeah, yeah for and sure. Then you've also got the uh, the bluebirds become the rail icons of South Australia completely, because every rail car produced had a native Australian bird. Oh, really? Um, signed on. Blazing. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. So right. Um, I saw there was one called the cook or kookaburra. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's. Uh, other ones called, um, I think there was one called Lorikeet or uh, or something like that. Yeah. And that was what that train was actually known as. Incredible. And because of the names on the trains, yep. they actually become rail icons yep. of South Australia. Because they would uh, also be just seen, you'd be driving along, uh, say, heading up to Peterborough, and next minute you'll just see this blue train. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, go, go past you with a consist of um, two to three four cars yeah uh, and they'd all be heading to um in those those days when it was all bustling and and the rail corridors were fully active yeah um you would yeah you would see the see the bluebirds look i just wonder even you know just as you've been talking about that and about the history of it and i've just cast my mind a little bit into the future and thinking you know is there any technical reason why uh, a south australia could not develop uh, an autonomous train that uh, has potential to go off rail if need be. Um, does it have to be that traditional five or six rail cars if that's not economically viable, or do you have these? Uh, the, there is, uh, but for as long as the rail system isn't there, for as long as the rail network isn't there, those potential that 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 future that we could have just uh, doesn't get an opportunity to be realised. Well. I like trains, so I'm not going to answer that. Yeah, question. yeah. Well, I, you know, I think <laughs> I, I, I think it all, it all works into. Um, I mean, if we can reactivate that, the, the great news is there's infrastructure. There's there's towns already there. There's population yeah. centres. There's schools. There's and and all of it's working at sub capacity. And yep. if we and including the Barossa Valley, it's a it's a, a tremendous draw card, but it's an underutilised asset, and and it's a something that we could um, leverage all the more. And I think a a, a, a rail uh, well line out there would make uh, a massive difference. Um, Riverton, um, 
Ivan, I can't think of his surname. He own, he owns the Riverton Railway Station. Oh, right, and okay. He's turned the Riverton Railway Station into a bed and breakfast. Yeah, how cool is that? And he's also got, uh, I think it's about 16 old red hens there as accommodation oh, yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, and he's got, and I'm sure I was told the other day, he's got one or two which are um, at a uh, operating standard, right. which can actually run on different sections of the line. Wouldn't that be tremendous? Yeah. Well, there's a draw well card there straight away. Well, it takes a private operator like that who's an enthusiast who sees that potential, and they might be able to just, you know, they might use it to run up and down 20 or 30 miles That's of the right. line and, and then back off to the next town. But yep. then, you know, if he's in if he's in Riverton, well, it doesn't take much to, you know, pop up to Auburn or, or out to uh, the Clare Valley. Somewhere along here, the line just outside of Riverton, it's cut. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, but then but if it was all opened up again, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's all that potential. But then you've also got... Um, uh, Borough, mm. uh, Paul Henley from Borough owns. Uh, it's, uh, it's either the um, Borough Railway. No, it's not Borough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's Borough. Borough. Uh, he owns the um, Borough Railway Station, which is also, or he owns a co- uh, accommodation place. Um, there's another draw card there. Yeah. You can go from Adelaide all up the way to Borough. And spend a weekend yeah. up in Borough with Paul Henley. How good uh, that? Spend a weekend with Ivan, uh, yep. and knowing, getting to learn the history about Borough and the rail, uh, the rail history yeah. of, of both beautiful towns. Just I've never been there, but I believe that they are awesome little oh. towns to we, we, to we, bring back on the map. Well, we've sold a lot know? of property through Auburn and uh, and the Clare Valley and, and beyond over recent years. You see, the Clare Valley is also another wine region. Yeah. Oh, a, and huge and potential. There's, there's no rail corridor. Just outside of um, Riverton, it's been cut. Exactly right. Well, and the line's been pulled up. Well, I hope our listeners enjoyed that little postscript with a bit, bit more in-depth history there, and and uh, and I have no doubt that we'll we'll keep in contact with Grant as um, he continues to to slog away at this cause on the uh, for the benefit of all South Australians, and uh, we'll keep in contact and um, have you back on in the not too distant future to give us more updates. Definitely. And let us know how the how you're fighting the good fight. Uh, can only get better. <laughs> Fingers and toes crossed for you. Thanks again, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in again to this episode of the Day Sovereign Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on iTunes, and we look forward to bringing you more next week.